I was just working at an Antarctic research base when uh, some sort of alien showed up and started mimicking the different people at the base, and we had no idea who was assimilated by this alien and who wasn't. Ooh, it was V-spooky. And I might be a thing, I'm not sure. But you're listening to This Film Has Not Yet Created, the podcast where we make our own version of movie sequels that never got made. I'm Christopher Rivas, and with me as always is my co-host, Mr. Steve Grande. Hi, sorry I'm late, but me and my homies, we were trying to get signed to this rap label, but then we found this treasure chest of gold, and we took it, but all of a the sudden, there is this leprechaun coming around in our hood <laughs> trying to kill us. <laughs> and this week, we have two very special guests. This is a very special episode. Uh, we'll get more into why in just a moment, but first, uh, our first guest you've seen or heard, I guess, on the show before. Please welcome Mr. Jonathan DeBona. Hey, y'all. Sorry I'm late. I was actually uh, fighting giant worm-like creatures that come up from the ground with Reba McIntyre. So, um, you know, she was just McIntyre of everyone's bullshit. So here we are. <laughs> And our next guest, you've also heard on the show before. Please welcome Miss Tatum Swamp. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. I was busy dressing up as my twin brother and posing as him in this weird co-ed boarding school so I could play on the men's soccer team because I knew I was better than them. And I fell in love with Channing Tatum. (laughs) Tatum, Jonathan... Thank you so much for being here today. Um, due to COVID, obviously, we're recording from our separate places, which is less than ideal, but at least we still get to see your beautiful faces. True. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so this week we watched uh, Jennifer's Body. And this was in preparation. You know, this episode is ideally going to come out on Halloween, if not the day before. And uh, we wanted to get a spooky Halloween movie in at just the right time. And we all live in Chicago. We're all neighbors. And uh, except for Jonathan. Well, yeah, except for you. Okay, okay. um, <laughs> Give but, it time. Uh, Calm down. <laughs> the Music Box Theater was hosting a drive-in movie of Jennifer's Body. And I know that this is you're both one of your favorite movies. So we were yes. jumped at the opportunity. Yeah piled into the car and went down to go watch Jennifer's body at the drive-in and what a beautiful experience. But please tell us a little bit about why Jennifer's body, why is it told so much to you? Uh, I don't know. I was, I think a freshman in high school when it came out and we all went to the theater. I know. Don't, sorry, Jonathan. (laughs) Uh, I'm old. (laughs) I was young. Um, so I don't know. How, I honestly don't know how it got into the movie. Was it PG-13 or rated R? Do, do we know? Rated R. It's rated. So I have no idea how it got into the movie, but I know that I watched it in theaters with all of my friends and it just 
we just started speaking like the movie. We would memorize mm-hmm. full scenes. <laughs> mm-hmm. You you got into the movie by playing Hello Titty with a ticket person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's from the movie for those who haven't seen it. I have no idea. I have no idea how I got in. But yeah, it changed my life. We like legit wouldn't stop saying, like, I think I still say your lime green jello, like to this day. Like it's just yeah. a part of my it's it's just such a good movie um like i fell in love with it when i saw it in theaters back in 2009 and at the time it was one of those movies that um was just bashed by the critics um and here we are like what almost 10 years 11 years later and it's finally getting the accolades that it deserved you know i remember having to tell people that it's so bad that it's good but really in reality it was a very great movie but like I, that would be me trying to get them to watch it because yeah. everyone knew it got like terrible reviews uh critics hated it um it was just a bashed by critics all the time but now here we are all these years later and it's it's that bitch yeah dude well poor megan fox <laughs> she deserves yeah. much better this is like her last movie pretty much huh I think, well, yeah, right? Because the next one she did, the Transformers, but she bounced. Or was that before? Yeah, I think she was just in a movie, too, about um, a lion or a tiger or something like that. Oh, or my. Done. No, I don't think it helps at all. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood did her dirty. Joke. I had never seen this movie before. And watching it like i know i've known you guys for years and i totally like understood the influence that this movie had on you <laughs> mostly due to like the things the types of things you would say like i've definitely heard you say that green jello line before yeah. like <laughs> I, you know i'm nothing if not consistent and whatever like there's some great just like to me that i've attributed to you too but are like secretly influenced by this movie that luckily no one would watch, so we got to keep the jokes as our own. Really, it was always our little secret. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really because I was in the car with you guys, um, you two specifically, yeah. and uh, you guys were. Um, I understood your humor so much better, and like, <laughs> and and when I watched this movie. Um, I watched it for the first time. We were talking about this as we were watching it, but the fact that um, this movie was was marketed towards like people like me, some guys in their twenties yeah. that want to see Megan Fox take off her shirt and then eat some people, um, but it completely it was- over it, it glossed over. <laughs> the female relationship between both of them and their friendship. And like, yeah. that is unlike a lot of things that I see on TV and movies. And honestly, I think it was ahead of its time because people calling this a bad movie, like, I mean, Wrong. there were some parts that were not for me. Um, so I could see how people with, you know, like wouldn't like it, but I thought it was freaking great for what it was and like it it can be a cult classic 
with you know this fan base behind it 11 years later like you said and now they have you know movies drive-ins of this movie like i honestly was so proud and i said in the car multiple times through my rose glasses uh it was so awesome to see how many people were there because of how many people shit on it just blow it off like it's nothing because i do i mean it's how i got tyler uh into real housewives you know what i mean that like <laughs> this is female culture bro if you don't like this it's not y'all my sh- problem <laughs> y'all should well, have seen our was, car um it was, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i did i did something else i did want to say while i enjoyed watching it with some quote-unquote real fans um <laughs> Most of the time, I side with Chris in movies. I just love ripping them apart. So I, when I got home that night, I was like, "Man, I felt like, I felt like I was a hyena drinking with a bunch of gazelle <laughs> at the at the, at the, at the watering hole." And I look here. over, I look over, and I see a bunch of hyenas tearing apart a meal yeah. together, see, laughing hard. Car, yeah, our car was like, it had me, it had Tyler. Ian, uh, Tom Farley, and like we had running jokes throughout the whole thing. Like, how did that fire start in the bar? Will it ever get answered? It never got answered explicitly. I think it did. That's a big question. Do you know about this movie? We couldn't get over the fact that you know this movie. (laughs) That's the beauty behind it is it's such a well written movie. And like going back to what Grande said is when this movie was, um, you know, made and all that, the marketing was already decided before it was even released, before they even saw the movie, whatever it was, it was just going to be like capitalizing on Megan Fox and her sexiness, like not even looking at her acting abilities, which are fantastic in this movie or Amanda Seyfried or anyone's in this movie. It was just like, you're going to see, like they marketed the kiss between them two, like, trying to play to like these horny teenage boys who want to see a boob and like that's that's why (laughs) that's why it failed in the box office per se and uh because all these critics like this was also pre me too movement as well it also came around i feel the time of like twilight so it sort of was billed as like a twilight-esque movie Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they were like. That's what, um, because it was always being seen through the male gaze as opposed to this movie is really women, um, you know, and kind of similar to Twilight, you're not falling in love with like the sexy vampire who doesn't bite you because he respects you. Well, I don't, well, <laughs> I don't fall in love with the sexy vampire who, <laughs> well, they he respects these, but I don't know, that's just me. <laughs> We're we're gonna save our twilight debating right now. Uh, um, so before before we get into our pitches and stuff, um, I I asked this question to you two as we were driving home. Um, oh, I don't remember it, but I was what? Yeah, what? Excited. What is? So you you were talking about the decline of Megan Fox and how this movie was a big influence in her career. Could you tell me a little bit about? you know, what exactly happened and why she really hasn't been in a lot of movies or at least movies that I've seen in the past however many years? I mean, the the simple answer to that is that she, like, she stood up for herself and advocated for herself. Um, she was 
tired of being sexualized um, and went up against one of the biggest Hollywood directors, um, you know, of that time, which, you know, we know how Hollywood kind of goes. And when you stand up to one of those directors, it could really blacklist you throughout the industry, which is what happened to her. Like she went on record and said, like, compared working with Michael Bay was like working with Hitler, you know, which is like a a bold statement, um, possibly true. And she was just tired of tired of only being seen as a sex symbol as opposed to like her acting abilities, which are really good in this movie. And like she has her moments and a lot of her, her acting. Oh, yeah, I totally believed who she was in this movie. Yeah. Um, well, and I think, like, I agree a lot with what Jonathan said, where it does come down to if you speak out, there's a reason why people, and maybe in this scenario specifically, women don't speak out because they know how it's going to be received and they understand who kind of runs the narrative. Mm-hmm. And so it's just easier to not speak out and think that, oh, well, maybe I will change it. But when you don't speak out, nothing gets changed and just happens to a lot of different people and they just remain silent. I also think a lot of it has to do that. She was honestly like too beautiful to take seriously as an actress. You know, she had had the smoking hot bot. Dent herself in a, in a great way. Uh, But ultimately she wanted to speak out, so she just wasn't ever going to be seen as a serious actress in any sort of way. And I also, I think after this movie, because um, this was one of her, like, she was leading this movie, uh, you know, she was the star power behind it. Like, even, I mean, granted, there's a lot of big actors in this movie, um, but, like, this was her movie, and because it didn't perform great at the box office and critics hated it, that kind of added fuel to that fire like she's mm-hmm. not like that she couldn't act that she wasn't had no talent she was just a pretty face which is that it's yeah. far from the truth with megan and so it's unfortunate but now you have like there's been moments on twitter like an old clip of her on jimmy kimmel i think it was uh him talking to her about I think it was like washing Michael Bay's car or something like that. And it was like, now you have these moments where people are saying that we all owe her an apology and that, you know, she deserved better and that everyone in Hollywood treated her wrong, which is very like in spur that yeah. Me Too movement. So it's kind of nice to see that it is changing in that respect. Yeah. And looking at it like content wise, like Steve said, this wasn't really a movie for me, I didn't really care one way or the other about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't see it until here we are 10 years later, right? But um, looking back on it, this is a female-driven movie written mm-hmm. by written by a woman, directed by a woman, produced by a lot of women, and and then it failed at the box office. And we didn't... And we haven't seen a lot of those types of movies again and now we are 10 years later and they're starting to come up again with, with films that are more driven by women, by, you know, BIPOC people that it's, it's cool to see again. And I would just, uh, encourage myself and others to watch and support those types of projects. Cause the only way we're going to get more of them is if they 
if people see it and then the studio knows, hey, this people like as an audience. Yeah, exactly. Especially in the horror world, just because a lot of horror movies out there are always uh, like it's always geared towards, um, you know, men in that respect. Like it's Mm -hmm. always supposed to be viewed through the male gaze or whatever. And you don't see a lot of female driven horror movies. Like, of course, we have the trope of the final girl, but it's still very male dominated. Right. Genre. Right. Um, I, w- I want to say that I I, th- I call this a good movie because in horror movies, I always feel like, for the most part, it's manufactured like tension that comes between the friends and, you know, it, it just feels shoehorned in where all of this, like the reasons why why she would go kill people and how she'd do it and then their friendship deteriorating, like I... I completely bought it, and I and I think that it was a good example of horror movies that get it right, building yeah. building the the relationship between the characters rather than just kind of slashing it just because you know putting out whatever there just because they know that they're they're making this movie for the the shock value of the horror mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. where where this transcended it, and I you know I would recommend this you know especially if if you're listening on Halloween. You know, to pop this in and yeah. let it be part of your marathon. Yeah. It's so good and has so many great one-liners, too. It's so, so well-written and very well-acted. Let's get into our pitches, then. Uh, I think it's really interesting that we have two people that really love this yeah. movie and two people that really don't care <laughs> about this movie. <laughs> uh, oh, and- no, you care now. You care about I- it now. I- we're gonna... <laughs> I, I wrote in a way that I care. Okay. Oh, um, so gonna... they'll stab me in the tit with that. <laughs> the heart. The heart. Uh, nope, we're gonna, right in the tit. We're going to go ahead and alternate uh, our pitches on this one so that uh, we can sort of go back and forth on see what that looks like. And I think, Steve, I think you should lead us off, my friend. Great. So um, mine is is an outline um, and slash pitch. Uh, basically I got the, like the first, the prologue, the opening scene beat by beat. Okay. Uh, and then the rest of it, I'm going to go and just explain uh, what else happens in the movie. Um, but two important things you need to remember or know um, one, when um, needy was fighting Jennifer in that last battle, she got scratched, and as you know, throughout that movie, like in the the foreshadowing parts, like she was possessed a little, like she had a little bit of the power. Mm-hmm. So you know, she's so just remember that, and uh, also Chris Pratt. You guys were asking about like wh- what happened to him in that movie. Like he was only in that one scene, um, and I think that's kind of brilliant because it sets up the sequel for. <laughs> For a villain. Well, his career took off, and then it went right on. Nice. I think you're all going to be on my side with this one. So here we go. All right. This is called Jennifer's Redemption. All right. So we open up on a card game with Chris Pratt and his police buddies. 
playing poker. Uh, as they're playing, the conversations that they spew are so toxic, toxic masculinity, like so much of it that it's literally wafting in the air. Um, they're they're just like telling jokes, degrading minorities, degrading women, mm-hmm. and uh, and <laughs> there's the the friend who's hosting uh, just kind of hears something. And like everybody else kind of gives them shit for it. They run out of beer. So then they're like, Hey, go, go get some beer from the garage. Um, you know, kind of protesting it because he, he thinks he hears something, but whatever he goes back, uh, to grab a case in the garage and the, fr- in the fridge, uh, as he walks up to the fridge, he opens, uh, he opens the door. And then we see next to the fridge, there is a closet door that's slightly ajar and it creaks open. And then we build the tension of him, like kind of walking in. Cause that's when we think he's going to get got, uh, but he <laughs> turns on, he turns on the light and sees that no one's there, but, Kind of inconspicuously in the back, we see uh, a KKK hood, and we also see, <laughs> and we also see one of the devil books. Okay. Um, well, that was, the, huh? yeah, the, like one's on the one shelf, and then there's another right below it. The, the devil books. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, so then he's like, oh, okay. Who is nothing. He clicks off the light, turns around. And as he turns around, he stops suddenly because he gets stabbed in the stomach. And then we see that it's needy and she's there with it. With And right before he yells, she puts his hand, her hand over, over his mouth and like pushes his head up, takes the knife out of the stomach and then slashes his throat real violently. Yeah. Um, like needy, I don't know if you 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 two have ever seen this movie, but uh, in Resident Evil, like she starts off in that movie not knowing who she is, and then by the end of it, and then be the second of it, she's a fucking badass. So this is along those lines of where Needy is just okay. She she's like Lady John Wick, just like going out there destroying people. Yeah, um, she's Buffy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, Chris Pratt tells, he cuts back to them at the game. He tells one of the cadets to go check. He opens the door and he reacts to seeing a dead body. And then he's immediately jumped by needy. He, he she gets up behind him and holds like the knife hostage to him. Um, so they're trying to talk she her down. The knife hostage? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> you know what I meant. <laughs> Steve, I don't think we did know what you meant. <laughs> um oh my god so uh yeah she they're they're like mocking her like even though they know that she has the upper hand like they're they're talking shit because a bunch of asshole cops right and uh and then um she makes the first move and she takes the knife and stabs it in the guy's like side but completely shadows herself behind them and the cops start firing off and it gets this guy. And then she just goes on a tear through the house. Like she pushes the corpse that she was holding to block her onto one of the guys. And then like slams the, the one of the guy's heads with the, uh, with the refrigerator door and shit. And she's hunting throughout the house and she's trying to get the Chris Pratt. Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh and we see chris pratt's character get away and then we see her kind of like as he's driving away she gets out of the house bloodied holding the knife and she's just kind of like terminator walking 
like down the road after him. And then it, like as she passes the camera, <laughs> up come the credits, Jennifer's redemption. Um, so this movie, this, this movie mainly, does anybody have any questions? On the opening of the movie? I, like I, no questions. Just like, I feel like you really just took the plot of scream at the end of the house party and mixed it in with Jennifer's body. No, art is just being influenced every day. Um, I, I, I'll be honest. I also stole this, like the police or the KKK idea from, um, uh, Watchmen, the TV show that came oh. out last year. Esteban. What? Stealing. Yes. <laughs> Shame <laughs> on me. <laughs> I wrote this in an hour. I don't care. <laughs> you should spend more than an hour on it. Uh, it, it, it it's sufficient enough. Um, <laughs> okay. So the movie, the movie follows Needy uh, hunting down anyone associated with the satanic cult. She discovers that the cult has ties uh, in devil in the devil's kettle police force, discovering that most of them are in the KKK and that this is a cult that is being pushed through the clan. Like the plan of them is being pushed through at a national level. Um, so, uh, she discovers that Chris Pratt's character is the one who gave the band the book and also started the fire. Flashback, underscored by Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, uh, which doesn't make Throw sense. It <laughs> it's so ironic. Um, uh, don't worry, I got more hip music. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, she discovers that he was the one that did it. So she goes, she goes hunting for them, and uh, she goes to kill, like, in, have like part of the movie. She goes to kill Chris Pratt's partner, who was played by Jarrett Leto. Uh, but the backup arrives too too fast, and it's too much for Needy to handle. Also in this film, we're introducing Needy's long lost brother, played by Tom Holland. And uh, he's on Needy's side and he's doing investigations of the cult since she's been locked up. Uh, he gets separated from Needy in that fight and eventually Jared Leto captures him. Uh, she sees that she needs help and uh, she's going to need more than what she has now. So she gets in touch with a witch doctor who is played by Laverne Cox. Um, and, and she digs up her body and uh, a bunch of witch mumbo jumbo, and then they resurrect her body. Um, so then uh, they, you know, they're, they're kind of giving each other shit, like, "Hey, you ruined my life. Hey, you killed me." Uh, and they're and they're going back and forth, but eventually they agree to work with each other uh, to take down Chris Pratt and the entire police force. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big there's a big scene of them getting arrested because they they wanted to get arrested so they could get into the place and and get the brother back. Um and at the same time the cops are like, "Great, we're going to arrest you and kill you in this jail cell." But they break out and wreak havoc throughout the station, killing all the cops except Chris Pratt. Why? Because he's with the KKK out on the peak, uh, the peak of de- uh, that's where the the big ceremony is happening. Right, that's right. Where- <laughs> uh, they find out. They find out that uh, 
they find out the info from Jared Leto, uh, and then Needy just pounces on him, pushing him upright against a wall and scratches at his neck so fast and so hard uh, that his head eventually falls off and drops on the floor. <laughs> by the feet. He scratches his head off? Yeah, like, rah, 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 rah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Using her devil claws. Um, <laughs> devil possessed claws. Uh, okay, so they head out onto the beach. <laughs> and the clan is sacrificing Tom Holland so that one of them can come, become possessed by Satan. No. Uh, they break it up and, and eventually kill all the clan members. But before that... They kill the brother. He's lost in the in the battle, and Chris Pratt has now become possessed. And he and Jennifer do battle onto the top of this like peak cliff. Uh, but eventually, Jennifer <laughs> wins. She's on top of him, and then like out in the open on top of this ledge, she just like cracks into him, rips out the heart, and eats it in front of like a full moon, silhouetting her behind it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's the that's the that's the big like way that the villain bites it at the end. Um, but then after that, after she like eats his heart, uh, they discover a note <laughs> with instructions on what to do after the sacrifice, and the note is signed by current governor of Indiana Mike Pence. No. So the movie the movie ends with the two of them on a bus and they're all best friends again and uh it's you know it's just the, the like I guess the overarching like line in the movie or like theme in the movie between these two is like hey we even us can we can we can reconcile our differences so they're driving they're driving and uh we we like zoom out on um on the bus and it just has a sign that says welcome to indiana and then we cut to black and play helena by my chemical romance yeah. the end what chris pratt man what? <laughs> Don't do that to Chris Pratt. Is that what you said? No, do that. <laughs> Chris Pratt. <laughs> oh my God, Nate. <laughs> that could be canon, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was I love the fact that the KKK is not Jesus; it's the devil. Obviously, just makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but I feel like that's the opposite, right? Because, like, wouldn't the wouldn't if she's a demon, wouldn't she want to hang out with the devil? Yeah. Um, she she hates it. She's angry at him. She doesn't. Well, she's no, she doesn't want to be in hell. It wasn't her choice to be a <laughs> well, demon because she was just sacrificed and she wasn't a virgin. I don't think she's a demon. I think she's just anti-racist. So she's just <laughs> in this horrible light because. We live in a white supremacist society that is benefiting off of the devil. Let's let's go with that. <laughs> um, I kind of see it like Spawn, where Spawn, Spawn works for the devil, but he hates him. Spawn's a person and I thought that meant fun. I don't read. It's all good, y'all. Maybe I just... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Tyler doesn't let me read, so maybe was, <laughs> oh yeah, that there's so much going on there. Um <laughs> <laughs> A lot, a lot is happening. I think um, it's perfect for this podcast. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love really sold I, it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love the line. She digs up her body with a with a bunch of witch mumbo jumbo. <laughs> no, no, like she digs her up, but like. You know, I don't know how they're brought back. So, a bunch of witch bubble <laughs> jumbo. You gotta Google it, man. You gotta just uh, like search. <laughs> like a, a simple resurrection spell, maybe. I don't know. Well, he only had an hour. He couldn't. <laughs> <Yeah. do>. <laughs> <laughs> mumbo jumbo. <laughs> oh, I said that because I didn't want to look it up. <laughs> I just wanted to go with witch mumbo jumbo. It's funnier. <laughs> Yeah, and we're talking about it. Jumbo, <laughs> jumbo, five. Oh my god! I like that she holds the knife hostage a lot. Um, <laughs> I have this knife, and I'm said. not letting it go. I like that we didn't start. What is it called? We didn't start the fireplace, <laughs> right? Because it's such a great message for the film. Honestly, I. Uh, Clearly, this was a movie. This version is a movie that uh, pretty much has nothing to do with the original, except that it's got Needy in it. And Chris Pratt. Jennifer. Chris Pratt. She comes back. I guess that's Mumbo true. Jumbo. Well, you need more Mumbo Jumbo. He was the mastermind of all of this. He was the the silent the silent leader. Out of that. He he gave them the book. He starts the fire. He oh, starts the fire. He lies and says that he didn't start the fire. Oh, that's how the fire started at the bar. It was Chris Pratt the whole time. Yeah. Oh, my God. Glad that question finally got answered. Do you feel better? <laughs> I do. I do. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> let's that move, understands the film. <laughs> let's move right along into a uh, different pitch. Um, probably a different tone if I had to guess. Jonathan, take us away, my friend. What? <laughs> All right. So mine is, uh, it is called Jennifer's Personality. Um, so it is, what I'm doing here is it's a reworking of the ending of the first one leading into the sequel of it, which is Jennifer's Personality. Um, so it's picking up right after the fight scene between um, Jennifer and Needy in that. Okay. So it's not a lot of dialogue, so I don't know. Um, uh, Chris, you could be the coroner. Okay. Um, I'll be Jennifer, and then Tatum, you could be needy. <laughs> I think that's it. There's no, like I don't know how I just assumed that. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I might be Jennifer. Yeah. Maybe Jennifer. I wanted to be needy. Maybe I am needy. <laughs> <laughs> You'll always be the needy to my job. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely a different tone. Um, so it's reworking the ending of it to lead into the sequel, which is her personality. Um, so let's get into it. All right. So uh, picking up right after the fight between Needy and Jennifer in the first movie, Needy had just stabbed Jennifer in her heart with her Butch Home Depot box cutter, presumably <laughs> killing her. 
Needy was taken away to the insane asylum. Jennifer was placed in a body bag and was being taken to the morgue in the coroner trap. Jennifer awakens in the bag, weakened from the stab wound, slowly unzipping the bag and emerges slowly in the style of Michael Myers and Halloween, shocking the coroner. What the? How the fuck are you alive? I told that bitch she stabbed my tit. <laughs> Jennifer's, face <laughs> Jennifer's face morphs into the demon and she attacks the coroner, devouring him, causing the truck to crash. Jennifer emerges from the fiery wreckage completely unharmed and full from her latest victim. As a truck explodes in the background, she walks away determined with a demonic grin on her face. Cool. We see Jennifer. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> cool. <laughs> we see Jennifer arrive at the insane asylum in search of Needy. However, Needy had just broken out after realizing she obtained some of Jennifer's supernatural abilities from her bite. We see a quick montage set to Fleetwood Mac's dreams of Jennifer following Needy's trail, which leads to the moment where Needy finds a spot where Devil's Kettle uh, lets out. With her back turned, we see Jennifer approaching Needy, hell-bent on revenge for being stabbed in the tit. Needy looks down and sees... <laughs> Needy looks down and sees the sacrificial knife used to kill Jennifer by low shoulder. As she bends down to pick it up, Jennifer rushes towards her and launches her into a nearby tree, much like how Jason did to Kelly Rowland in Friday, Freddy versus Jason. Oh my God. <laughs> Friday versus Jason. Kelly Rowland was in it. The cast of Friday. Is that your Jason Boyd. coming out, Jonathan? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, wrote, I too I too wrote this in an hour. Um <laughs> so Jennifer looks down and sees the knife. She picks it up and it triggers a series of flashbacks of the night low shoulder went all Benny Hanna on her ass. Her final fight between Needy and uh with her but butch box cutter <laughs> and her friendship as well. As she comes to her humanity, her humanity takes over and she breaks down thinking she just killed her best friend, not knowing that Needy now also has supernatural abilities. Needy wakes up from being launched into a tree um, and she sees Jennifer breaking down over the knife. Her anger softens and she walks over and puts a hand on Jennifer's shoulder, shocking Jennifer. Where's it at, Monistat? Oh my God, I thought I Kelly Rowland your ass. Let's just say my life Beyonce. Needy smiles and pulls down her shirt, showing the bite mark that Jennifer left from their fight. Realizing that she gave Needy supernatural abilities from her bite, Jennifer embraces Needy in a warm hug. <laughs> Doo -doo -doo. So I was way to catch this rock band's final show. Want to come? The two walk together down the road holding hands. The oh. scene cuts and Needy arriving at Low Shoulders hotel room. They kick the door down in a Charlie's Angel style fashion and start <laughs> saving Adam Brody for last. Yeah. Jennifer attacks her revenge using the same Bowie knife that was used to kill her. They then go to get Froyo. He said hands off this one's sweet this girl is mine I could not it's not into the sequel where I assumed like they would go and just like 
kill a bunch of people uh, that are doing bad things. <laughs> and eat free froyo. Right. They got it for free because they killed the um, misogynistic froyo attendant. I like that you went the revenge route. Uh, 100%. Revenge that, on that band. That was the biggest thing that I uh, felt like the original movie missed was because like Jennifer had this horrible thing where she was like just mm-hmm. butchered and killed just so these guys could be like Maroon 5 or something. And like she never truly got her revenge and she ends up being stabbed in the heart. So it was like she deserves that. So I was trying to figure out a way to like bring her back and make sure like she got her revenge. And then also like I like their friendship and I don't want them to fight with each other. <laughs> yeah. I should just love each other. I think you nailed it. And um I think that's exactly like where the sequel should go is get the revenge on the band. <laughs> they can make up and be friends again. Now they're demon friends. Right? Yeah. Besties. Demon besties. Yeah. And they can fight all the other demons and then uh-huh. can eat all the boys or whatever. And they can say all the all the um where's it at monostat kinda. Of. <laughs> yeah. Like, <it's, laughs> I like I like the verbiage of getting Roland. <laughs> I wish that was more right. well known. <laughs> like I, people get pushed up against walls. Oh, she got Roland rolling real bad. <laughs> like, we all remember that moment in Freddy versus Jason where she just gets yeeted into a tree. <laughs> See, I just love that it um, exudes Jonathan DeBona the entire uh-huh. time. Uh-huh. All yeah. of the references are just so beautifully laid um, out for us. Uh, don't butter me up. I'm on a diet. Um, <laughs> I, I <laughs> I, I do also want to say, Jonathan, that Megan was in the car with us, and Megan's biggest gripe of the movie was the fact that they didn't show us them killing the band, and it was just all right. in pictures and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, and I so, so love it. Then it is about revenge. So. I know. Well, it. I'm just kidding. It's about revenge. But with <laughs> Tatum. Oh, sorry, With this go on. one, I want like I would have loved to see her just like maybe like ripping Adam Brody's arm off and slapping him with his own hand. Like how fun would that be? Like bitch slapping and say, like, you know what? Yeah. Tatum, I would say it's. I think it's just totally. You know, we all hate that character. Like, yeah. like, yeah. It, like my favorite joke in the movie is you want to be like Adam Lambert, right? Like, they, they know their audience, and they know that we think that fucking Baroon 5 is lame as hell. So, Adam Lambert? Or, I don't think it's Adam, Adam Lambert. Wait, who was it? Adam, Adam, Adam Levine. Levine. Whatever, sorry. It's okay, Adam Brody was playing the character, so it's just a lot of Adams in this situation. So. Yeah, so too many Adams. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't know who any of those people are. You don't know? Who Adam Levine is? No, the lead, the lead singer of Maroon Five. Oh, okay, yeah, and that's not the same guy that played the leader of the band in this movie. No, no. that was a- like that dude. was Adam Brody. They look like the same person. It, it was. Yeah, it was. It was the fact that their goal was to be as big as Maroon Five, <laughs> and then, yeah. this is so fucking lame. I would want to be cold. <laughs> I don't know why they wanted to be Maroon Five. You want to be Coldplay? That's even lamer. That kind of guy, not 
me as Tatum, me okay. as Adam Brody as that character. Okay. You want to be Coldplay. You don't want to be Maroon 5. No, they don't, don't want to would... be Coldplay. They'd want to be like Fallout Boy or something. Coldplay is like is like the moms that think that Maroon 5 is too edgy. <laughs> That's their fan base. <laughs> All right, enough enough shitting oh on bands. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, we could we could shit on bands for uh, ever. Hundred um, percent. No, that was a really good. I think that was a a perfect example of what a true sequel to this movie could look like. Um, that was perfect. Uh, uh, keeping with the theme, I also wrote mine in an hour. Yeah, I've never done my homework before. I actually did it this time. Well, then yours will be the best. So uh, I wrote mine in an hour. It's sort of a prequel uh, uh, story. This would have taken place um, before the events of Jennifer's body. And it's called Jennifer's Date. And... Um, I've got it cast here, um, and in fact, we've got Tyler standing by, so um, oh, hi. if you'd like to read for us, Tyler, we're going to throw you in here. Um, Ma, uh, Tatum, you're going to be playing Mom. Typical. <laughs> Debona, you're going to be Doug. Typical. Uh, Grande, you're going to be Dad. Yep. And, oh. and Tyler, you're going to be Jennifer. Cool. Sorry, it's late. I uh, was searching the universe from my home plan. I got lost on Earth, and then Steven Spielberg turned my escape plan into a movie, which I fucking <laughs> resent. <laughs> I'm an extraterrestrial. <laughs> I rode my bike. A lot of details oh, I skimmed over. Um, and then, uh, real quick, I have uh, one character note, and it's for Grande. And it's that dad is basically Steven Seagal. Okay. 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 Got it. Um, Wait, what am I reading for again? I'm sorry. You're reading for Jennifer. Oh, I'm Jennifer. Nice. Okay. <laughs> His dream. So, so this is Jennifer's date. It's an interior living room, uh, early evening. Uh, we hear a, a bell ring, ding dong, as the mom goes to answer the door. Oh, hi. You must be Jennifer's date. Yeah, Doug. Nice to meet you, Mrs. Johnson. <laughs> oh wow! It's a good look. Is your straight voice? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> isn't that, a, isn't that, a, is that not how straight guys sound? No, you're dead on. Like you're spot on, but I'm just, just so floored. <laughs> <laughs> Protein shake, boobs. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, for an older lady, you're holding up pretty well. Oh. Thank you, Doug. I wish my mom looked as good as you. She's a sow. Sow. Yeah. Sow. <laughs> well, I'm sure she's beautiful in her own way. Nah. <laughs> well, have a seat. Jennifer's just finishing up. She'll be down in a moment. Doug sits on the sofa. He wears a black leather jacket and smokes a cigarette. Dad enters and hugs Mom. He wears all black, including a zip front turtleneck. He resembles Steven Seagal and carries a book. 
Oh, hon, here's Jennifer's date, Doug. This is Jennifer's dad. Doug stands to shake dad's hand. Mr. Johnson. Dad does not shake Doug's hand. Get this kid an ashtray. Okay. Mom exits as dad sits on the sofa with Doug. So, you graduating this year? Eh, I might. Got any plans? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) No plans. No? That makes me very nervous. People who see my daughter should have plans. Well, I guess I like shop. I'm good with cars. That's good. I guess that means I won't be getting a call later saying you're going to be late because you had car trouble. Uh, no, I guess not. Mom comes prancing in with the ashtray. Okay, here's the ashtray. You, You seem to be getting along. I think Doug here needs a soda. Oh, okay, I'll go get it. She exits. Man, your daughter sure does take her time. What? Does that bother you? No, no, no. That's a nice watch you got there. Yeah, my grandma gave it to me for graduation last year. Well, that's good. I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> how close you are to Mike. You're very close. <laughs> taking, it, taking it back. Well, that's good. Well, that's like good. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Where are you taking my daughter? <laughs> well, that's good. I suppose that means I won't be getting a call later saying that you lost track of time. No, not with my new watch. So what are you planning to do this evening with my daughter? We're going to party. Hope you don't mind. Well, I guess it wouldn't matter if I did, because I won't be there at the time. I'd be here, waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, um, what are you reading? It's a book called Silent Killers. (laughs) Oh, um, is it any good? It's informative. Mon comes prancing in with the soda. Here's the soda, Doug. Anything for you, hon? Some coffee? Decaf? Herbal tea. Herbal tea. Okay, (laughs) I'll go get it. Mom exits. Listen, son. (laughs) I know you think... I know you might think I'm a little old-fashioned, but I'd like to show you something that has great meaning to me. Dad unzips the front of his turtleneck to reveal a tattoo of a succubus feeding on the corpse of a young man. It's a tattoo! Oh, (laughs) Just a little something I got overseas. I was part of the SKC unit. Um, well, what's that? Oh, nothing in particular. Just a paid assassin. <laughs> mom, mom enters with the teacup. Okay, here's the tea. Is he showing you that tattoo? I suppose he told you about that guy he killed in the Philippines. Assassinated. Yeah, but you were working for the government. He always leaves that part out. <laughs> Doug nervously starts to laugh with her. <laughs> Jennifer comes bouncing down the stairs and into the room. Hi, Doug. Sorry you had to wait. Oh, don't you look sweet? 
You know, it's a little chilly out. I think she needs a sweater. Yeah, I'll go get it. <laughs> she exits. Which one do you want me home, Daddy? With me, it doesn't really matter at all. I could care less. I let's just leave that up to him. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I was thinking I'd have Jennifer home by um ten. Dad clears his time. Uh, nine thirty. Well, I guess that's good. I'll just be here waiting. <laughs> they all get up as Dad escorts Doug and Jennifer to the door. I can't wait to set fire to the venue in the middle of the band's first song. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just a little something I did on a date once, and now I do it every time I see a band in a townie bar. Oh, well, call me a Xerox, because I'm going to copy that. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sex and white lies, handcuffs and alibis. She lays her halo on the pillow as she sleeps. Her heart beats. It's nice. It's very nice. (laughs) Oh my god. Why does the mom always have to go get stuff? Why can't she be a part of stuff? So, uh, as I was. I, I don't really remember having watched this movie. I was quite drunk as we were sitting in the drive-in. And, um, and so I was like, in preparation for writing this, I looked up on YouTube and I watched like the Everything Wrong With or Cinema Sins, whatever. And then um, as I was scrolling through, uh, an old SNL sketch came up called Jennifer's Date. And this is that exact sketch. And uh, Chris Farley plays Doug. And Steven Seagal plays the dad. <laughs> and the way that you guys just read it was infinitely more funny than the actual sketch. <laughs> the sketch, the, the, the real sketch is painful to watch. Steven Seagal is so bad. He ruins every single joke that is Ugh. in there. They're big softballs. How could you miss that? it? Was so wait, was like the dialogue similar or did you just this like is, copy it? This is almost exactly the same dialogue. Oh shit. <laughs> and I just I love that you decided that I would best be the fit for the straight uh date. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I I don't I don't sound gayer than Christmas at all. So it's been great. <laughs> Um, when people say you don't have range, I have no idea what they're talking about. Oh, like, God, mm-hmm. I have the range. That's just homophobic at some point. You know what I mean? Like, I know. You do. <laughs> what, you never heard a straight guy sound gay? Come on. Pardon moi. No homo, what? Uh, so that was the joke in the sketch. One of the jokes in the sketch was that mom just, even if she didn't want to, just kept leaving to go get things. Um, and and the sketch ends with the sketch ends with dad being like, "I'll I'll uh, I'll just be here waiting," and they leave. But I also wanted to answer the question of how that fire started in the bar because we never got that answer. <laughs> so now we know. I completely understand. <laughs> from our sketch, from our pitches, Chris Pratt and this Doug guy <laughs> trying to go light it, and they're like being real polite on who should do it. Yeah, 
I, I also want to point out <laughs> that Jennifer 100% had a last name in this movie. And it was, <laughs> it was Czech. And you decided to go with Johnson. <laughs> I didn't bother to look it up. He only had an hour. I mean, you could have at least had her last name be Body. Like, this is Body. <laughs> oh, hey, that's brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. Wow. <laughs> so you got Johnson. Johnson <laughs> has notes. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll re- we'll rewrite it to be Jennifer Body, and then um... <laughs> so we have to make a video sketch. Yes, that'll be infinitely funnier than the actual SNL sketch. Um... <laughs> but only if Jonathan plays Doug. Uh... <laughs> well, I mean, I am in a backwards cap right now. It might say work bitch on it, but I'm still wearing a backwards. It also cap. might say pirate. <laughs> Black. You're from Pittsburgh. That's true. That's true. I, I do have a lot of pirates gear, just like their gifts I receive on holidays. I don't wear them, but they're in my closet. Begging for you to wear it. <laughs> oh well. So that was my goofy ass take. I think. I think for a real take to close us out here, bring us home real strong, Tatum. Ooh. Okay. Tylito, I need you for this, too, because I have too many characters. Sorry I'm late again. I was filming a documentary in America. (laughs) 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 Okay, so uh, my adaptation is not a sequel. It's not a sequel. Uh, It's more of a parody, obviously, than anything. It's called Jennifer Temple. (laughs) <laughs> uh, the way that it's cast is uh oh what uh steve you're needy okay jonathan you're jennifer hell yeah i know uh <laughs> chris is hunter okay and tyler will be alden and i'll read the state or the not stage uh what's it called in screen, screen directions yeah, wall to wall. This goofy podcast. Uh, <laughs> never thing. seen it. They call it wall to wall, which I think is really funny. Um, what the 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 explaining part? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Are we ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, exterior old maze bar and grill night. Interior old maze bar and grill night. We're in Old Bay's Bar and Grill in Sporks, Washington. It's old and dingy. The wooden floors match the wooden walls, bar, and tables. And all three surfaces are the same amount of sticky. <laughs> There's a rock show tonight in the sleepy town, which has brought all the youngsters out. They're <laughs> chugging Natty Light and shooting Malibu while they wait for the set to begin. In walks Jennifer and Needy, two besties of the codependency issue, looking to get wild. <laughs> Jen, this place is packed. This show is going to be more stuffed than my stinker on a Tuesday night. Scanning <laughs> <laughs> the room, hoping to find the lead singer of the band. She's been cyber stalking him for months. 
Uh, where's busted knee? The set starts in 15 minutes. Suddenly, Jennifer feels a small gust of wind blow through her chocolate brown hair extensions. <laughs> Ew, needy. Pop a cork in that ass. You really need to lay off the activia. I didn't fart. Jennifer's eye is suddenly drawn towards the stage. It's busted knee, a new indie rock band. They came in from the city and are setting up their equipment. Oh, my God. It's them. Jennifer makes eye contact with Alden, the lead singer of the band. She glides her way across the room to him. Hey. <laughs> hey. You come to see us play? Yeah. Cool. Y yeah. Cut to. Interior. <laughs> Busted Me is rocking out hard. All the teens are gathered around the stage listening to the new band play. Jennifer stands quietly and sways back and forth, never breaking eye contact with Alden. Alden sings directly to her. The kids quickly realize that Busted Knee wasn't an indie rock band after all. They're a switchfoot Christian cover band. They throw beer bottles and peanuts at the Busted Knee, but the band never stops playing. If anything, they just start playing louder. The crowd starts to rip the American flags off the walls and shoves them into open liquor, liquor bottles. Hunter, the quarterback of the football team, starts lighting the Molotov cocktails with a sweet Zippo lighter. Mm -hmm. The crowd throws the cocktails at Busted Knee. Old May's bar and grill ignites in flames. The Busted Knee never stops playing switchfoot covers. <laughs> <laughs> Interior, Needy's bedroom, night. Needy and Hunter are getting quite frisky in Needy's bedroom. They escaped the fire together and got really horny. So Needy <laughs> said back to her place to fuck. I don't have a condom. So? Joy lights up Hunter's eyes and they continue getting <laughs> Cut to. They're on Needy's bed and their clothes are off. They are having unprotected sex. Cut to. <laughs> is hovering in the dark corner of Needy's room. Her eyes are bloodshot, and she has dark circles under them. Her face looks lifeless. Cut to Needy and Hunter are humping and humping. Needy's old wooden bed frame begins to creak loudly. Cut to Jennifer watches them intensely. Her head tilts to the right. Cut to Hunter is coming. He has a super duper oak face. It's the money. Hunter quickly begins to panic. Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. What? Am I bleeding? I'm not plugging, I swear. <laughs> but Needy wasn't really sure. She was never sure. No, 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 it's not that. Needy is disappointed. She hasn't gotten her period in three months. Then what? I meant to pull out before I forgot. OMG, OMG, this is horrible. I can't get Needy Lesbinaki's pregnant. <laughs> Needy had a reputation for trying to get guys to get her pregnant. Her mom, told her, <laughs> her mom told her it's the best career choice for her. <laughs> Jennifer is still in the corner watching the interaction. She points her finger at Hunter's back. She flicks the tip of her unmanicured finger. Cut to Hunter begins pulling his penis out of Needy Lesbinaki's vagina. What the fuck? What? Oh my god, why does everyone always say that? Uh, I have a condom on? What? 
<laughs> Cut to the window in Needy's bedroom flings open and makes a loud banging noise. Needy and Hunter scream. <laughs> Cut to Needy and Hunter run to the window, butt naked. They look outside and don't see anyone. Cut to Jennifer is no longer hovering in the corner. We hear the fluttering of wings. Needy and Hunter look at each other. Cut to interior school the next day. Needy sees Jennifer standing at her locker and rushes to her. Oh my God, I thought you were dead. How did you make it out of that fire? I don't know. I just like woke up in my bed. Jennifer is not looking at Needy, just mindlessly putting her books in her locker. Needy notices how beautiful Jennifer's hair and skin looks. You look amazing. Thank you. That's a very kind thing of you to say. No, for real. You've never been this pretty. What happened to you? You were always more of an ass queen than a face queen. <laughs> um, okay, I don't know. Maybe I've just gotten like a full night's rest. That was half of an explanation for Needy. That makes sense. I never sleep. Probably explains <laughs> why I'm fucking gross. Later, Queef Queen. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> Needy raises her right hand in an attempt to high-five it out, but Jennifer doesn't high-five her back. Uh, Needy, please watch your language. Jennifer closes her locker and walks past Needy. Needy watches her as she steps in slow motion down the hallway. Jennifer is not wearing her normal outfit that consisted of mini skirts and overwashed t-shirts. She was wearing a baby pink cardigan buttoned all the way to the top. Her skirt was ankle length and made out of denim. And her long mousy brown hair was pulled back tightly in a long French braid and the tip swung over her wide ass as she piously walked <laughs> the hallway. <laughs> O-M-G. <gasps> Is she wearing flats? <laughs> I dare you to Her wide ass. <laughs> that was one of the goopiest things I've ever seen. <laughs> I I don't know what to say with that. <laughs> Christian Switchfoot cover band. <laughs> you know, I really think it's a an opinion piece about how I feel about Christians. So, <laughs> queef queen, <laughs> queef queen, uh, queef potato. <laughs> also, the fact that Switchfoot sucks. Switchfoot does suck, dude. Okay, so like I, 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 re- I know of Switchfoot, but I could not tell you what they sing. Like I remember hearing about them, but I have no idea who the fuck they are. Well, after seeing this movie, I would say that Jennifer is meant to live for so much more. Tatum, I want to say about this script. <laughs> I love that you commented 
on uh on Amanda's like appearance at the beginning of the movie because I remember I remember being in the car with you and like just like I said real softly I was like well if she just takes off her glasses and straightens her hair <laughs> maybe just maybe well and what's hilarious was Amanda Seyfried was in Mean Girls as a hottie of course she was in Jennifer's body so she yeah. was ultimately playing one of the hottest girls alive. And then went to being one of the most not hot girls just by the glasses and the beanie. <laughs> and her now. So funny. Oh my God. Good times. I wrote a lot. I wrote a whole party scene where she goes in and she raises all the girls' collars up to their neck and they're all like having teenage sex and she starts tearing them apart. And they're like, have their hands up and they're just bowing their heads and just being Christian. <laughs> yes, which foot? All right. Um, she rips the I, out of Needy's nostrils. Beautiful. <laughs> it's really great. Why did I you deprive that. us of that? <laughs> you did this all in an hour? No, I didn't do it in an hour. Because I, I love it. We could do this in 20 minutes. And he was like, well, I would hope that you spend more than 20 minutes on it. I spent, I spent at least three times that. My my favorite line, though, was the, the stage direction of Needy had a reputation of trying guys to get guys yes. to get her pregnant. Yes. Her mom told her it was the best career choice for her. Oh, yes. <laughs> This was gold like, digger. Legit one of the one of the funniest things we've done on this show. This was Thank so good. This was so good. I'm so happy. Oh my goodness. Oh this was a lot of fun. I was like, should I just write this? I mean too much fun with this. You you changed Jennifer from being a succubus demon into a condom fairy. Well, <laughs> Just makes them appear. Into a tight-wadded Pentecostal bitch with her brain. <laughs> oh, that's what braining everyone here in the party. That's the last scene. <laughs> nice. Oh my god. I'm from Texas, you know. I know it all. I love it. I'm right in front of it all the time. Well, uh, Tatum, Jonathan, uh, before we start heading out here, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote um, to any of our listeners? Uh, you know, come in to Cafe Babariba. We got the best COVID standards. Come and give me some 20% tips, man. That, that'd be great. I got no, no comedies going on. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, I, I have none of I have no comedies going on either, but you could just uh give me 20% tips anyways. I don't work at Cafe Babariba, but you could just send me money. It's fine. <laughs> I'll um, accept it. Our Venmos. Yeah. <laughs> just say your Venmo. Yeah. <laughs> at, at John Tabona. Yeah, my Venmo is at I think it's Tatum dot swan. Oh, oh. I don't want anybody to find me on the internet. So, so pay the person that you uh, like their script the most is what we're saying. <laughs> uh, I've got Valid. a couple things here. Uh, first of all, is if you haven't already voted, please vote if you're a voting age. Yes, vote. 
Mm-hmm. You better vote, bitch. It's like the only chance to really uh, exercise your civic rights. So <laughs> yeah. look up, look up what's happening. Matters. Look up, look up what's happening, not just in the federal elections, but in your local elections, judges and aldermen and oh all God. the stuff that seems like it doesn't matter actually matters. So please look it up, educate yourself and vote. Um, the only other thing I would, I would like to promote is uh, The Annoyance, which is a small independent uh, comedy venue here in Chicago, is hosting Splatter. They do Splatter every year. This year they're doing it online. And it's also a fundraiser to try and help keep the theater in business through this quarantine time, this pandemic, uh, the annoyance, as well as Second City. All the comedy theaters in Chicago have been closed and basically are waiting to reopen with an uncertain future. So um, tickets, I think, are $20. Splatter Theater is October 30th and 31st at 9 p.m., and it's also a fundraiser, so you can find out more information at theannoyance.com. And uh, with that, I think um, I, I, I actually have to get running, um, unfortunately. Uh, I, I, uh, I was an orphan at this, this uh, orphanage, and um, some kids that I used to hang out with, one of them mysteriously died like 30 years ago. And now that I'm a grown-up, I moved back and bought that orphanage so that I could take care of a new generation of children. But one of them is like a mysterious ghost boy who's haunting everybody. <laughs> well, that reminds me, I gotta run. Um, I was at this dance and all of a sudden, people just poured a whole bunch of pig's blood onto me. So now I'm gonna go exact my revenge. You know what? Um... I also have to run. I know it's shocking, but I have to. Um, I am late because I have to go and meet Drew Barrymore. We're watching a scary movie, and I heard it's a real scream. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I gotta go. I fell in love with my wedding planner, and I'm trying to tell my wife or my my fiance that I fell in love with my wedding planner, and I gotta go meet her in a park. To make sure to grab that great ass. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs>